Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Nathan, the producer of this podcast, of the newly named Stoop Stories podcast. Uh, Josh and LeDrew will get into that name change here shortly. Uh, great episode this week about resistance and a whole lot of other stuff. Just a quick heads up before we get started. Um, we did run into some microphone issues um, near the beginning, and it lasted the whole podcast. Everything is still listenable, and all very good stuff. Um, this is still new to all of us. We're working the kinks out, but um, I hope everyone can find value from this podcast and make sure to follow us on social media at Southwind KC. All right, here it is. Hey, 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 Mr. LeDrew Morrell, we're back again. Yes. You know, uh, thinking about changing the name of this podcast, originally the pod, thinking about calling it Stoop Stories. I like that. After all of, uh, we've had tons of comments, everybody kind of resonating with the stories on the stoops, the one where you uh, get, you know, fed up with your current situation and look to make a change. So uh, we'll kind of play around with this name a little bit, but uh, see what sticks. But really excited to get back on this and do a second podcast with you so what do you think we learned from the first one? Oh wow um that everything pivotal in our lives happens on the stoop which is why i think the name is appropriate and you know as we dig into today's topic you'll find out where the stoop played its role in the story of um you know understanding resistance yes so the concept of resistance um, I think it's something we talk about a lot here at Southwind, and it's just kind of a fundamental component to being successful. So I'll kick it to you. Um, when I say, tell me about some resistance you felt in your life, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, it, ta- it takes me right back to the stoop where I got fed up, right? So at that particular point in my life, and, and really what I'll do is I'll use me for an example, since I don't, uh, you know, many people are listening and I don't have their permission to kind of converse with them. So I'll use myself as the example and that'll be pretty humbling for me, but nonetheless. So when I'm on the stoop and I'm fed up, what I believed at that time about resistance was that I hated resistance and I blame all resistance on God. So like, I hated God at that point. And I think most people can relate like, oh God, I hate you. You're not even real. You know, so I'm in like that lane for sure because nothing in my life was going right. So I actually ran away from resistance or when I met it, I complained or blamed and didn't use it uh, properly. So when we talk about resistance, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is working out. Because in life, we all run from resistance. Everybody who feels resistance, it's like to them, it makes like it, it's, a, it's a feeling that makes you feel like, uh-oh, okay, I've met something, it's time to retreat. And like, oh, this is hard, let me quit. Oh, this isn't right, let me stop doing it. Oh, what I really want is hard, so uh, maybe I'm not doing that right. Uh, but the reality is when we go to the gym, we actually go there looking for resistance. And at the gym, we're also looking for change in our life. We're looking to build mm. bigger muscles, better stamina, you know, to look better, to lose weight, to create gains, if you will. You mm. know, so what, what I know about resistance is resistance creates gains. And so what I want us to think about, you know, I want all of our listeners to think about is, yeah, resistance 
creates gains in the gym, but resistance also creates gains in life. And I think that if we can grasp that concept of we're going through something hard, I'm getting gains out of this, so I need to continue to do it. You know, obviously adjusting the way that I behave in order to maneuver myself to get through whatever situation I'm getting through, I'm actually going to benefit from the hard things in life. What do you think about that? Yeah, I absolutely love it. You know, for me, that's what I call the mind shift. When just like going to the gym, a person goes to look for resistance on purpose. Right. So like they're signing up for it. They're going to the gym. They're paying to get there. They're paying for the weights because they don't have them at home. You know, so when I had a mind shift, I began to see life in the same dynamic so that resistance really became a blessing to me because the more you have, the better you can become, the more gains you'll see if you can, uh, you know, process the resistance appropriately and have the correct mindset for it. So for me, um, my wife, man, my wife is awesome for one. I think I have the most amazing wife in the world. Um, but we go around looking for resistance and then we will kind of conceptualize what we're going through based on how the resistance feels. So right now we're in a season, man, it's leg day. That's what we say. Mm -hmm. How you doing today, babe? Hey, my day is going well. Well, hey man, you know, is, is today leg day? Yeah, it is for me, man, me too. And, and, that, and that's where we know, I mean, that's the toughest day in the gym is leg day, but you get the most gains and most benefit from it. And then some days it's just, you know, you go do some arms or some shoulders, some light stuff, but every day we're looking for resistance so that we can improve our lives. Yeah, what a concept. To be able to understand that the things that you're going through being hard is probably exactly what you need to be going through to get to where you're going to. Yeah. And so when we look at life through those lenses, it gives us this incredible advantage that most people don't have. You know, when I'm talking to a lot of the staff members or, or, or friends of mine who are, you know, struggling, they're having hard things that are going on with them, with themselves in their life. Even this morning, talking to a young man outside uh, the MVP meeting, and you know, he was going through some stuff, and um, you know, and I, I was giving him the, trying to give him the same understanding, like, yes, life is hard, uh, but then I reminded him, I asked him, I said, are you where you want to be in life right now? And his answer was, yeah, no, of course not. I, I hate what I'm doing right now. I, I don't like to where, where my life is. And I said, well, maybe is it possible that, you know, the resistance that you're feeling that, that's making you not want to go to work right now is exactly what you should be doing to help you get to where you want to be in life? And he sat there and he thought about it. And he was like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, he, uh, I don't think it made too much sense because he still went home. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like some people yeah. aren't ready for it, right? Like, the, to have the same clarity of thought and understand that thing mentally that this resistance is actually going to benefit me uh, is the same reason why there's a, a very few amount of successful people and then a whole lot of everybody else. Yeah. Right. Because that, that concept of like understanding resistance and that it's actually a benefit and not a detriment mm -hmm. and pushing through and getting the gains that comes from that is uncomfortable. Right. And, and human beings, we're just naturally predispositioned to like, want to remove ourselves from stress, want to remove ourselves from hard stuff, want to retreat and not compete. So like, I think that that's a really, a really important part of life that I hope that we can help, you know, help these uh, listeners that we have today, like understand because every single one of them either has gone through difficult parts in their lives or is currently going through something hard in their lives. So why don't I ask you like, Tell me what you would say to somebody. Now, first off, before we do that, 
let's identify some areas in life that feel like resistance. And I think that may be helpful for our, our listeners because sometimes it may be even hard to, you know, like acknowledge what it is in our life that's hard, that's keeping us from get, from get, getting our gains. Well, I, you know, I want to make sure that was a, a really awesome encounter that you had. And I want to make sure that the people really uh, understand what happened there. And the reason why I love the, the name of this podcast being Stoop Stories is I would venture to guess that most people are on the stoop right now. Even the, you know, listening to this, most people that they know, they probably exist on the stoop so that they're like the guy that you had the encounter with this morning that still went home because he was feeling the resistance where there, where I was at, where I was, where I hated God. Like that was the only person I had to blame, right? Because there was a lot going on. So I'm like, well, he's the easiest one. <laughs> You're supposed to be able to fix everything and everything's wrong. So I'm blaming him. So uh, I think most people exist on the stoop because we don't have a ton of people in this bucket over here that, you know, you call the success bucket and you got everybody else all over here and this bucket is large, you know, unless you are off the stoop and can reflect on those days where you didn't use the resistance the way you should, you know, it's likely that you're still on the stoop in real time. So I think that's the caveat here. But I think the biggest resistance that people feel is definitely financial. Mm -hmm. And until you recognize that, um, you did this to you, <laughs> you know, you won't be able to use resistance in the way that you should. Um, but I think that's what causes people uh, the most resistance. So I would venture to say the guy that went home from work today probably needs money to pay yeah. his bills well, so and he's got him stretched out. So he went home from work, which work is how he creates income and he needs money. And he needs money. So that you think that's a kind of a realist, realistic, kind of component of most people's, some people's lives, right? Yeah, I would say, you know, mostly everyone's, you know, finance is, uh, that's part of the reason why everyone wakes up and goes where they go mm -hmm. after they get up, is to get to the money, right? So that causes a lot of resistance. Um, but you have to get to the point to where you in invite that resistance. I think the other thing is that um, everyone's financial thermostat doesn't necessarily uh, align with their income or what they make for a living, which causes the other set of resistance, maybe wants and desires versus um, what's maybe realistic for you. Maybe for that kind of takes us into a whole another realm. Like we're kind of talking finance now. Let's so let, let's kind of break it break it down, utilizing our kind of philosophy on resistance. So if I'm feeling financial strain, what is resistance telling me to do? Stop spending, start working, start investing in your mind so that you can become more valuable, which is what actually makes you worth more. Mm. So, you know, a worker is always worth his wages is a quote that I like um, a lot. And in order to earn what you would like in this world, you have to be valuable. You know, so if you look at the grocery store or the gym, you know, the gym is valued based off of the membership. Different gyms have different amenities. And people go to certain places based off of the value of that place. But the gym doesn't come to you. You have to go to it. Uh, so we're, we're the same way, which is why I always like to use produce, for example. You know, if you produce on this earth, you yourself will become valuable and sought out. And then your, your value increases. You get paid more for that. And you have to invest in your mind in order to do that. So when things changed for me was when I took that resistance and then got information from books 
to help me use the resistance. And then resistance became my buddy. Just like going to the gym, I can work on my lats, I can work on my back, uh, you know, my, my delts, my triceps, biceps, whatever it is, quads, glutes. I can do whatever I want because, man, the resistance is my friend at this point, and I actually need it to get to where I want to go. I can't live without it. It's actually, you know, it's, it's a blessing. Yeah, it's almost funny because the quotes that we've grown up listening to, like hard work pays off. Yeah. It's really talking about resistance because working hard is hard. <laughs> That's yeah. why they call it hard work, right? Yeah. Like, like they, they don't call it easy work. You know, easy work pays off. I've never heard that quote uh, because it doesn't. The reality is if it's easy, it most likely isn't worth it. You know, and if it's hard, generally you're going to generate gains from it that are going to be worth the investment. Um, so when I think about kind of let's kind of dive back into the resistance and like, uh, there's this book called David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. Did you read that book? I did. I did. Yeah. The whole premise of the book is sometimes people believe their greatest weakness is actually what their, their greatest weakness or what they believe their greatest, their, you know, some people believe that they have this great weakness and mm -hmm. it's a weakness in their life, but it's actually their greatest strength. 100%. Um, you know, you hear Kanye West talk about his, uh, you know, his his uh, bipolar disorder is his superpower. Yeah. Um, and that's funny, right? That Like that, because like most people are like, no, man, you, you know, you have a disability, <laughs> you know, like, and he's like, no, that's my ability. And so I, and I, I look at that in the same realm from a resistance standpoint. It's like people believe that this is my weakness. And so like I shy away from my weakness instead of kind of appreciating the fact that my weakness is what's getting me to where I really want to go. It's actually my strength. And mm. then the story of David Goliath, the way Malcolm Gladwell, you know, the way he talks about it is, you know, Goliath is this, this beast of a man, seven foot tall, huge giant that's walking the earth and just destroying everything he encounters. And David's this, you know, sheep herder. Uh, and he's a little guy and he's like, if you put them up against each other, there's just no way that David would ever beat Goliath in a fight. But what they don't tell you is that back in the, those days, those biblical days, uh, when you know that the story was written, is that when if you were huge and tall like that, that you most likely had eyesight problems, and you were going to have trouble seeing the person you were battling. And what they also didn't tell you is that David was a um, you know like a world class like a, a, a specialist um, slingshotter. Like he had the ability to cast his stones in a way that. You know, most people didn't have the ability. He was like a sniper, but with a slingshot. And so David, with his slingshot, he could cast a rock where Goliath couldn't even get close to him. And we believed that David was actually the underdog in this story. What we believed was his weakness was actually his strength. Um, and, you know, to me, I look at that from a resistance standpoint. And I think, like, man, there's all these things that we're sitting there thinking, oh, poor me. This isn't working. This is really hard. But again, the hard stuff is actually the strength. It's actually what's making me stronger. And so, you know, when we talk about getting gains in life, you know, I, I, I love that story to reflect on that and tell that to people because, you know, life's hard. Shit, like, bad stuff happens all the time to all kinds of people. And like, there's all this resistance we're feeling on a normal basis and everything around you tells you it's unnatural and the wrong thing to be feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have to have this ability to process the information in our mind and say, oh, I know this feels bad, but it might not be bad. Yeah. You know, and I, I know it feels like 
this is really hard right now. I know waking up every single morning and going to a job that I don't necessarily love is hard, but it actually might be what's best for me. You know, I know going to the gym every single day when I'm overweight is uncomfortable and it's hard, but what I get from it is the best thing for me. I know that eating the right food every day and putting the right nutrients in my body so I'm healthy is a hard thing to do because there's fast food all around us. And sometimes the healthy food doesn't taste very good. And sometimes it's hard to make it and everything, but it's actually the best thing for you. Yeah, so let me ask you this. What is uh, the weakness that you turned into a strength in your own life that has allowed you to occupy the seat that you're in as a CEO of Southwind? You know, the, the, the part of you that makes resistance make sense, even though you're David going against Goliath. Yeah, that's a great question. What takes me back to, um, you know, just off the cuff is, you know, being a 1-800-GOT-JUNK when I was young, right? Like, and not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And I'm sitting in this organization that was not much of an organization. We're talking about six people, not a lot of people there, not doing hardly any revenue. And looking at that like, oh, man, every day I'm going to go do this job that's really, uh, you know, that, that really has no, you know, there's no social currency that comes with this job. Like, I'm hauling people's junk and doing it in nice homes across Kansas City with uh, believing that I don't have a ton of value and having to push through that and, you know, living downtown and riding up elevators with you know, younger professionals mm. that were in suits and ties. And I'm in dirty ass uh, uniform shirts that got drywall and all kinds of shit on it all the time, right? Like, and, and feeling sorry for myself and having conversations with my wife who's feeling sorry for herself because this is what we chose to do. Meeting friends telling me, man, you're a schmuck for doing this. <laughs> you know, like, you were supposed to do something better than that. And uh. thinking at that time in my life, like, man, uh, this shit is hard. You know, like, should I be doing this? Could I be doing something else? Yeah, I probably could be doing something else. All my other friends had different jobs. They were doing different things. And I had decided to do this with my life. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and there was a lot of times where I, 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 did, I thought, well, maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe I should be doing something else. But then, you, you, you know, fast forward 13 years and we built an organization that employs, you know, f over 400 people and we have you know, offices all over the country. And I think, damn, thank God I went through that at, my, at, at that time in my life. There was no shortcuts to getting where I am. There was no way to get there any faster than I already did. And every experience that I uh, went through or every experience that I, that I had, it actually helped prepare me for what I'm currently going through in my life. And even though at the time it was really hard and I thought that there was no way I'm on the right track, I was actually on the perfect exact track. Yeah. And all I needed to do was stay focused and keep pushing forward. And I was able to accelerate that point once I started, stopped feeling sorry for myself, mm -hmm. started thinking about things in a way that um, helped me understand that, like, I control this. And just because life was the way it was doesn't mean that was going to be the way it was always going to be. And I had the ability to make change in my life. And I had the ability to change the things around me. And I had the ability to create an environment around me that would actually help other people grow. And then I also I was able to recognize through this process that it's not even about me. At the end of the day, it has nothing to do with me and it had everything to do with helping other people. 
And once I realized that, I, stopped, I got to stop feeling sorry for myself. And once I started seeing some gains, it became, I, I probably spent two years of my life feeling sorry for myself. Like I, I had messed up, and I think I had a lot of outside influences that made me feel that way. And moving forward, I'm starting to think like, damn, I didn't like I myself, and I would never allow him to do that again. And then in addition to that, like, I realized after those two years, like, look, life is what you make it. It's your choice to change or to stay the same. And if you change, change into somebody that you can be proud of, right? And, and start doing things that benefit other people, helping other people grow, learn, help other people learn, develop, help other people develop, and then multiply instead of divide. And so we went from you know, having no, no employees, doing a lot of the work ourselves, to having you know, a ton of teammates that were all moving in the same direction, um, you know, really building something that you know, right now uh, I believe is special. You know, I come in every morning and like, I get in at 5.50, there's tons of people here. Not because they were told to be here, but because they choose to be here. You know, there's not a lot of places, just bragging on this a little bit right now, not a lot of places where you can walk the halls and then get coached up by the CEO that doesn't even know you uh, just because somebody said that you had a problem and asked if you would help. Um, and I'm happy to provide that because this is what we live for is the ability to change other people's lives. So, like, we were able to build this. We were able to do this because of all of the experiences that happened before all the shitty stuff that we had to go through made us uniquely qualified to lead this type of organization at this time right now. Yeah, I agree firsthand. And hearing you say that kind of sums up why I love this place so much. And the reason is because it teaches that hard work does pay off and that you need the resistance that the hard work generates. You know, so it's safe to say when you felt like quitting when you were throwing yourself pity parties when people were calling you a smuck but you were working hard those are all indicators that man you're experiencing the correct resistance is going to get you where you want to go right. so people if you're listening and people are calling you a smuck for doing the right thing for working hard and you feel like there's no end in sight you're probably doing the right thing if you went to work today and didn't go home yeah yeah i totally agree uh, is there anything that comes to mind when I, when you know you heard my story? Is there anything that comes to mind when I talk about the resistance I felt coming up that you can identify with? Maybe you know outside of maybe start by you know you being a teacher mm -hmm. and what kind of resistance that felt like, and then you making a, a change because you know I'm not sure how many people on the on this podcast know your background regarding like we kind of talked about the stupid like making a change and having a mind shift. And now you became an author, but before that you were an educator mm -hmm. uh, and then moved into the realm of coaching professionals. Um, you know, what kind of resistance did you feel maybe towards the end of education and then, you know, also when you first started here at Southland? Wow, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, if we were to take it back to my education days, you know, I would say for the vast majority of my life, I lived on the stoop and didn't know that I lived there. So that in itself is an interesting place or dynamic to be in, right? So we would call that 
unconscious incompetence where I didn't even know that I didn't know what was going on around me. So because of that, anytime I met resistance in my professional career, so let's say as an educator, I wanted to get a specific coaching job. If I didn't get it when I applied, I would just blame it on something. And a lot of times, oh, I'm black, G. <laughs> they didn't like me. <laughs> they didn't want, you know, they out there at Olathe or, or Blue Valley, they didn't want me oh, okay. because of that. But it actually wasn't because of that. You know, people like the choices people make, not necessarily the color of their skin. You know, and when I began to make better choices, I did have some success in the football realm and ended up being a head coach in a smaller school, not not the big, not the big time schools. Um, but every time I met resistance, an excuse was given. But this is when I didn't know what the purpose of resistance was and that it was a blessing. So I would say in my educational career, I always aspired to be a head coach. You know, that's what I really wanted. And any resistance met in, in that dynamic, man, that was the excuse given. When in reality, I just hadn't done enough to earn that yet. So then when I moved over into Southwind, this is after I got up off the stoop and knew that I was off of the stoop and had done the reflection of my time there and how to get better from it. I would say, you know, resistance was largely created by what I didn't know yet. So that I would consider myself being in a state of conscious competence. So I embraced the resistance, but all I did was read more, wake up earlier, get to work before you, right? I did things like that, knowing that this is how the resistance train in the real world. So now I wake up and go to life like I'm going to the gym, like I'm trying to lift on purpose. So I want it to be leg day because you get the most gains from that. So which is why when I first got to Southwind, I thought waking up at six o'clock was early. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'll wake up at five, you know, 5.30 to be here by 5.55, maybe, you know. Um, but now I resistance train, so I wake up even earlier. I read even more books. You know, you had told me that 36 books per year was the number to get to. So, okay, let me get 37. <laughs> you know, I don't know about going up to the 40s, man. That's a lot of time I have kids. But, um, you know, Resistance is met with me seeking knowledge now, now that I'm in a state of what I would call conscious competence, which only means I know that I don't know anything and I know that my best aim is uh, mentorship, knowledge, and seeking constantly. So now we're at a place where you have conscious competence and you understand life a little differently, but still there's times where you feel resistance and you have you, the urge to pull back. Mm, not not that not necessarily the urge. Sometimes sometimes I do it, which is why you have to make sure you're in the right environment, taking it back to episode one, right? Yeah. You know, I'm in the environment where you were when you were going through resistance, it was probably the same guys that you were drinking with that sent you to the hospital that called you a schmuck. Because if you had you been in the right environment, someone would have told you, Josh, you're actually doing everything right, man. Just stay the course. I know it's embarrassing to be musty on the elevator, have the drywall on the shirt, you know, and, and having to walk past all these other business professionals in suits. But man, success is a lagging indicator, man. And if you don't give up, you're going to make Southwind something that benefits more than just you. But you have people telling you to quit, you know. So now because I'm in the environment of Southwind, Anytime I feel resistance and feel sorry for myself, which sometimes I do, 
I have people that come around the corner and let me know that I shouldn't be doing that <laughs> and that they're not coming to my pity party and to find a solution instead of act like there isn't one. So I would say, man, my environment allows me to keep myself in check because I'm never able to feel sorry for myself for too long. I think we got to talk about pity party. Yeah. Because I think we got a lot, well, there's a lot of people out there, man. They throw these parties for them and they may not have the ability to have the right environment, right? And so I feel for these people. These are my people that feel that way. Yeah. I feel for them. How can we equip them with the right weapons so they can attack those pity parties and not join them? So let's, mm -hmm. give, let's give an example of a pity party that maybe you've thrown for yourself recently. Mm. And then, <laughs> Me on blast. Yeah, well, you know, okay. I'll, I'll, I mean, I can go next, but, you know, I think it's, it's fair. Let's, let's get a pity party and then what you do to get yourself mm. out of that mindset of, you know, it's party time with the wrong kind of party. Yeah, so I guess we'll take it right back to the financial thermostat. I believe I work hard and I believe I deserve a certain type of car instead of this hand-me-down car that I that I'm driving right now. <laughs> so I was feeling really sorry for myself that I didn't have the car I felt like I deserved. So I just decided to complain and blame mm. like I had no control over, over the situation. How frequently do you feel like when people are feeling sorry for themselves, they're complaining about their lives and blaming others? I would say it's 100% of the time, the reaction your your emotions will give you initially. But unless you mind shift and capture it and then don't do it, you're going to complain and blame every time. So, you know, for me hold on one second, so let me let me let me just make sure. So if I don't if I'm not getting what I want out of life, is somebody else's feeling is somebody else's uh is somebody else's uh re is there is there is because of them that I am not getting what I want. 100%. Somebody else is doing that to me. Yeah. And so I'm blaming them because mm -hmm. they, they, they're keeping me from what I'm really supposed to be getting. And, uh, and it's bullshit. Yeah. And, I, and, and damn it, if they keep doing this to me, I swear to God, I'm probably going to quit. Is that right? That's it. I mean, you know, pity parties are so common. I think most people don't even pick up that it's happening. So they just attend them. So what happens good in a pity party? Absolutely nothing. So why do we throw them so so frequently? Because it it um, it cosigns ignorance, and it validates failure. Both make most people feel safe mm. because it puts the pressure and the responsibility outside of what they're in control. So of. give me a quick pity party. I'm going to cosign it for you, just so everybody. I want our listeners to know what this sounds like when they're when they're uh, you know they're going through something. Mm, man, you know what? And I'm going to give it kind of low-key real one. <laughs> Man, somebody got uh, a promotion and a raise, and I didn't get one. And I feel like I'm better than that. You're, oh, that's bullshit. After all you've done, they didn't uh, give you a promotion or a raise? Bro, they must, they must not know, man. I might yeah. quit. It might be because you're black, man. That might be what it is. <laughs> yeah, and the, the guy that got it was white. Oh, that's probably what happened. I, I, I would guess. Damn, man. That's fucked up. I can't believe they would do you like that. Yeah, man, I don't know. I'm going to call in tomorrow, man. Yeah, you probably should, man. You know what? I'm calling in, too. Man, let's do it. All right, well, <laughs> let's play the game afterwards. That's it, man. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's do it. What do you want to do? That's that's the pity party. Yeah, that's the one, right? Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we could all, um, you know, listening, hopefully that, that probably sounds familiar, right? Like, that's got to sound familiar because yeah. I, I, I surely 
have been a part of pity parties before. I'd like to believe that I've done a much better job as I've gotten older in life, recognizing that it was bullshit and that the real person to be to be blaming or the real reason that I'm failing really kind of just looks at me in the mirror every single day when I when I wake up in the morning, right? Like because because I am the reason that I win, I am the reason that I lose. Now there's other people who contribute, but ultimately it's the choices that I make that help me define who I'm going to be. So you mean to tell me uh, it doesn't even matter who wins the election, you're going to be in control of your life? Absolutely. It has absolutely uh, zero to do with who wins the election, whether I win or lose. Because ultimately there's going to be a game to play. And it's going to be how I play that game, the new game, that's going to dictate my success or my failure. Yeah. And uh, and then what would you say to the guy upset about not getting a race? I would say, so there's a couple of different ways to approach this. The first and the most important thing to do is to communicate effectively about it. And if you go and you talk to your superior or somebody who's giving of who's the one giving the raises, don't go in and say like, hey, so-and-so got a raise and I think I deserve one too. You simply say, uh, Mr. Morell, uh, I hope you're doing well today. Are you doing well? We'll All is well. All is well. Oh, well, I'm so glad to hear that. Well, uh, do we got five seconds to talk real quick? Of course. Well, I really want to put, uh, so I noticed that there's an open position available. And I wanted to ask you firsthand what I would need to do to be considered for that position in the future. Mm. So can we can we pause this role play here? Of course. So that approach to resistance is everything. So in the scenario, I was the guy complaining and blaming, and then you being met with the exact same resistance, you go and seek, you know, to hold a conversation with the person in power to promote, and you ask questions about what can be done, not why things aren't being done or can't be done. And then I would also ask, if it's okay with you, would it be possible for me to periodically check in with you just to make sure that I'm on the right track to achieving, uh, you know, position of this, of this caliber? Of course. You know, you know, ultimately, again, and just kind of going off script, but like, we have to have the ability to communicate effectively when things aren't going the way we want them to go. And it's not a lot of times what you say, it's how you say it that gets mm. you either closer or further away from your ultimate goal. And so, like, I know a lot of people that are highly successful that say shit the wrong way. And it creates animosity. And, you know, it's not, it's not you know, we can't. We can't do this. Or we shouldn't do this. Why don't we? We can't do that. It's, hey, how could this happen? How, 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 in what way could we make this possible? How can we make this happen for the organization? Let's brainstorm. I want to collaborate with you. Let's work together to find a solution. So how do we get to the point where we meet resistance the appropriate way? Let's yeah. say someone's listening and they recognize from listening to this, yeah, I like to throw pity parties all the time. Matter, matter of fact, I'm the MC DJ of every pity party ever. That everybody, I, I validate them on Facebook all day, and maybe they're just having that that aha moment in their own life. How do they stop doing that? Yeah, metacognition, the ability to process information in, from a mental capacity and understand what decision I'm making at this point. Like, we have to have the ability to recognize what we're going through and then make the choice. The problem is most people recognize and still choose to do the wrong thing. 
And what we found, what I've found in my life, and I can't speak for anybody else, but, you know, life is, for me, has been made up of, uh, you know, millions of choices that I've made over the course of my lifetime. And the ability that I've been able to develop to, to determine what the right choice is and make that consistently is probably the most important skill that I have. Mm. Uh, because like every single day, all the time, you're given multiple choices. And your ability to, to quickly process the information and the best possible choice and then choosing that consistently will get you closer to your outcome. And I'm not sure what that outcome is for any human being, but for me, you know, it's, you know, trying to, you know, help realize others' full potential or, you know, help other people, you know, help other people become successful and try to achieve success for Southland as a whole. But, you know, and it could be as easy, and it happens all day, even, you know, when I'm eating lunch, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to eat healthy, right? So I, I get posed with all these different choices. It's lunch, and if you're here at Southland, at lunch, man, everybody's talking to everybody else. Hey, what are you eating for lunch? And there's there's uh, options all over the map. Chinese food, there's pizza, you know, there, you know, like hamburgers. Uh, our boy Turk got the raisin canes, right? Like everybody has an option. And then if I'm trying to eat healthy, I have to choose, you know, which option is going to be best for me. And that's just a simplified, like a way to hopefully simpli- simplify that this concept. And help us understand that there's going to be all these choices that are going to happen on a regular basis. How do you process the information and create the best choice for yourself? Yeah. So, you know, in conclusion, I'll say a couple of things to kind of sum all of this up. You know, with those choices, it might it's probably going to be the one that's not popular. So you might be going to lunch by yourself while everyone else goes to Raising Cane's or Chick-fil-A. Yes. So sometimes it's lonely when you make the right choice uh, because resistance has come. And then. You know, also understanding that, like you said, in the process of you working when there was only six people here, there are no shortcuts. Right. So the right choice probably won't feel good, just like the 25th minute on the stair stepper. You're going to be questioning if you can make it to 30, thinking that you don't have to go that far when in reality you do. So you have to embrace the resistance, embrace the fact that there are no shortcuts. And when you begin to process resistance, the right way, you might be by yourself while you're doing it, such as going to lunch eating salads. Or if you're not by yourself, guess how many people are in the salad eating lunch group? Two or three. And that's another key indicator that you're in the right environment with others processing and using resistance the right way through metacognition and narrowing down the choices they make. Yes. Way to sum it up. Yeah, I think that's... Uh... Very, very true, and I think you and I have both experienced that. I know you and I have both experienced that in our lives, and hopefully our listeners today have had the ability to process this information and like take the real-life concepts we've tried to give and help change your life, man. So you know, I would just say go out and get some gains today. Understand that life is not supposed to be easy, and if it's hard, it may be right. Think about it. Process the, op- the, op- the options. What are the options, of the choices you have? Pick the best choice each time. And I think it was our guy that wrote the compound effect that says it takes like 27 months of making the right choices consistently before you start receiving the gains that you're looking for. 27 days. Oh, it's months. Is it? Yeah. Darren Hardy. Well, we're going to have to reread yeah, the compound effect. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, how about this, folks? Get off the stoop. 